this week, we're gonna talk about God's story. What is God's story? We know what he did in our lives, but I wanna start with a question for you that a professor, my very first class at Fuller Seminary, asked a group of students taking Old Testament history, and he starts and he says, is God coming down into your story or are you being swept up into the God story? I think the whole room was like, what? Do you know the diff, do you hear the difference? Is God coming down into your story or are you being swept up into the God story? I'm gonna challenge that it's, that we are being swept up God isn't coming down and like, how can I fit myself into their tiny little heart boxes? He's saying, come, be drawn into my story, which is an amazing story. And today, we're gonna cover barely the surface. It broke my heart as I prepared. I was having to pull things out because we don't have a lot of time. We'd be here for weeks if we tore apart every element. I mean, not weeks, years, decades, our whole lives because we will spend our entire lives learning about him. So we are barely scratching the surface, but God is calling us to be swept up into his amazing story. So God's story is one of absolute truth. Absolute truth. There's not a lot in our world and our frame of reference that is absolute. So much is moving and flexing and changing over and over and over and over again. But this is absolute concrete truth that doesn't change. In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying and he says, sanctify them, talking about his disciples and the people of God, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And that word sanctify means to make holy, to cleanse, to set apart. So truth is really powerful. It does something to us. When truth hits our being, it changes us. It transforms us. It makes us holy. It sets us apart. And these absolute truths of God are completely timeless. They're timeless. We don't have to try and make God cool in 2022. He is cool. His promises are eternal. They're relevant to today. And we, as children of God, get to present these truths to the world. What an honor that he invites us to present them to the world. In John 8, 31 and 32, we're setting foundations here, guys. Remember, Jesus is speaking to those who are following him. And he says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, truth sets us free. It's powerful. It changes us. You're sitting in this room because truth hits you and changed something within you. There's a truth that collided with you and brought you up into this God story. Now, the word, the Bible, is absolute truth. God spoke it to people who wrote it down, it became this Bible that we study today and it is the absolute truth. What we're gonna talk about today comes from the word of God. We use it as a guide, as a tool, it's living, it's breathing. Hallelujah. 
That's something to celebrate about. Y'all awake? We're talking about truth today. Somebody's got to get excited. Come on. So if we are going to be sharers of truth, we have to be learners of truth, which hallelujah praise, I love to learn things because I think God is just miraculous and amazing. So two tools because sometimes when we sit down with the word, it can feel confusing or jumbly. And so I am a big component of using tools and resources at our disposal. In your notes on the app, there's two websites, blb.org and biblehub.com that I use constantly. These are amazing resources, free. You just type it into the little web search and it pops up. There's commentaries where they're unpacking the word of God. You can study the original language. You can cross-reference. I live in that. All the different translations of the word. I live there because I'm like, ooh, what does that word mean? Over here, it's this word, and that's so cool. And you begin to unpack and see. You have commentaries that pull thoughts, theologians that pull thoughts together and make it so succinct. You're like, oh, that makes total sense. I love teachers for that reason. They help us. So we are going to be learners today. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Some of you are ready. We're all ready in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty cool. He created all of creation, including angels. Now, angels are beings created to do the work of God. But God also released freedom to his creation, He gave him a choice to either follow him or not follow him. We're gonna unpack this more in a minute, but for right now, that's what we need to know. Freedom was given. So an angel known as Satan took that freedom and said, nah, I'm good. God, I don't want all the goodness that you have. I'm gonna rebel. I'm gonna break apart. I'm not gonna follow you. I'm not gonna worship you. And he didn't just do it on his own but he got a whole crew together and said, let's rebel together against God. About a third of God's creation creatures at that moment went and rebelled. What a, ugh. Like, have you ever had one friend reject you and leave you and whatever? Imagine a third just We don't want you anymore and take off. Sit in that. This is God's story. God was rejected. Ouch. But it's gonna get so good. So the timeline on this is a little, depending on who you ask, but sometime between creation and when Satan's in the garden stern of drama with Adam and Eve, this rebellion happens. And God has to respond. And his response is, out of my presence. If you're gonna rebel against me, you will leave my presence. And hell was created. So hell is a real place. It's the dwelling place that was created for Satan and all of his followers. It's a little heavy, but it'll get better, I promise. But in Matthew 25, it tells us that hell was prepared for Satan and all of his demons. 
not humanity. God did not create hell to send people there. It is not necessarily a geographical location like San Marcos, but it is an existence. We love San Marcos. San Marcos is not hell. I'm not, (laughs) I realized as it came out that that correlation, I'm not saying that. Yikes. Um, You know when it's coming out and you just realize it, it's coming, you're like, put it back, put it back. Anyway. It's not necessarily a geographical location, but it's a reality that is apart from God. That was their punishment. You will leave my presence. So the God story has an adversary. His name is Satan. And guys, he's hashtag bitter that he got kicked out of God's presence. And so he is out to destroy God God's plans, and everything God loves, and that's us. God's story has an adversary that is coming against us to trick us, to deceive us. And where we stand right now, Satan has access to the earth and creation. Have you ever believed a lie? I'm probably believing a few right now. Come on, Jesus, help me. He has access to us. He's trying to influence us and trick us and take us on this journey away from God. But, spoiler alert, there will be a day when he no longer has access. Jesus is coming back, hallelujah, to put him in permanent eternal chains where he will no longer have access to creation. He's gonna lock him up, throw away the key, and be done. Can't wait for that day. It's gonna be amazing. So a tool that we need to know, that we need to carry as we are telling the God story is to realize there is an adversary that we are coming against. We are coming against lies that people have believed. As we study truth, it's hitting potentially lies that we are carrying right now. So when you share the God story, go in with prayer, with sensitivity. Go in asking questions, figuring out where someone's at. Because when you hear the lie, you're like, ooh, I know the truth that will shatter that lie. And that's what we carry. So now that we've got that out of the way, I figured we'd take care of the doomy stuff first and then we'll get to all the fun. God's story is fully rooted, 100% rooted in his character and his nature. He is unchanging And he will not act outside of his character and his nature. So let's talk about a few aspects of his nature. He's eternal. He wasn't created. He's a father. When I began to understand God as father, so much made sense. Parents, right? We love our earthly parents. They make mistakes. But he is a perfect father that makes no mistakes. So his protection, his care over us, his love for us is 100% perfect without error, without mistake. He is love. This one, I just gets me every time. He is, he is the being of love. So cool. The Bible tells us that he has agape love for us. And agape love is the highest form of love. We did a whole series talking about this last year. Go back, check it out. It was great. But agape love is the highest form of love that is of the will and the choice. We gotta keep this in our brain for a second that calls you to your highest good. It's a will and it's of a choice. 
He's a creator. We talked about this already. God is a creator. He created all things. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. So it's normally about this point that you're telling the God story that someone goes, so then did God create evil? If God created everything, did he create evil? It exists. The answer is no, and we're gonna explain why. So remember that definition of love. For love to exist, choice has to be there. It does because God, agape loves us and wants agape love back. But to be loved back, we need to choose him. We have to have freedom of choice. If not, it's like robots, roboting for Jesus. It's like a massive video game that's not, that's not. Imagine if your friends were forced to love you. That just wouldn't be fun. Not a good situation. So by releasing choice, what happened is an uncaused cause was created. So this reality of not choosing God wasn't actually created or built. It is simply the absence of God. So hell is the absence of God and his promises and his goodness and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his freedom. And this could go on and on and on. It's the absence of all of that. It says in the beginning, there was darkness and void. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And God is light. So this whole reality of evil that we've come to understand it as isn't actually substance. It's a void of everything that is God. God did not create evil. But for love to exist, there had to be a choice. So guys, we are sitting in a time in history where we are making choices. We are helping people make choices are you going to lean into God and all of the promises and the destiny that he's pouring out for you? Or are you gonna go to the void and darkness where not great things happen? Because it's void of every good thing that is God. This is the situ situation we live in. Now, these aspects of God's character are pretty great. They settle well, he's love, he's a father, he's a creator, he's eternal. But when we start digging, and someone's listened to it back, hey, got YouTube playing in the church. So we sometimes struggle with other aspects of God. Have you ever had someone say, I don't wanna follow a God who sends people to hell. I don't wanna follow a God who destroys. What they're talking about is the God who is judge. That is a part of who he is. And in our binary thinking, it can be hard to sit those two side by side and have them reconcile. If he's love, how is he gonna judge and push people out of his presence? But what happens when we look at the God story in tiny little pieces is it doesn't make sense. We have to step back and look at the full arc of the God story to see it all weave together. 
Remember, we are being swept up into his story. So if we're trying to fit God in our little heart boxes, that's where it gets complicated because I don't want judgment. No thanks. But when we are pulled up into his story, it begins to make sense. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna lean back for a second and look at this. So Romans 6, 23 tells us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Even in that verse, do you feel the tension? Death, but life. There's tension in it, but he resolves it. He's gonna resolve it for us today. And guys, sin is serious to God. I've heard people ask, well, then why doesn't God just like give up on sin? Why? Why not? Because sin divides us. Why did God create us in the first place? For community and relationship and communion. And sin puts a divide between us because sin is choosing not him. Sin is rebelling against him and it puts us one step away and then another step away and then another step away and then you trip over the chair and fall down. Sin separates us. That's why it's such a big deal to God. It is such a big deal to him and sin became a part of our realities. Romans three tells us we all sin. We all make mistakes. No one has to be ashamed of it. We all fall short. So how did this sin thing get all up in our business? Remember that adversary, Satan? Remember that guy who's out to steal, to kill and destroy everything that God loves us. So after he falls, he drops into the garden and starts deceiving Adam and Eve. I'm gonna trick them into following me and not following God's promises. And it worked. He tricked humanity. And that opened up access. Because what happens? Sin means separation. So Adam and Eve were pushed out, were separated. And that's the reality we are born into right now. But God's story continues to make a way back to himself. Guys, I don't know if I could do it after being rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected to say, I'll make a way, I'll make a way, I'll go after him, I'll pursue him, I love him, my love is not gonna give up. I'm gonna tell you, God doesn't have quit in him. It doesn't exist within his being. So I don't care how many mistakes you make, he's gonna come after you. I don't care about that family member who you just can't stand because they just keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. God's love is so after them. That's what he does, that's who he is and he is gonna make a way back to himself because this is his heart, guys. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. His desire is that everyone be drawn back to him. But he doesn't just sit there and say like, oh, I just hope you figure it out. 
and find your way back to me. Good luck. This is my heart for you. It's the thought that counts. That's not who he is. He's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make a way for the desire of my heart to be reality after rejection. God, switch that. Rejection after rejection after rejection. He comes after us over and over and over again. How does he do this? Our friendly neighborhood Jesus, come on. This guy, can you believe it? Jesus, the son of God, steps in and says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll step in. I'll step in for humanity. In Matthew 20, it says that he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What is a ransom? Someone gets kidnapped and then there's a price on their life that has to be paid and then they get set free. We got kidnapped, guys. We got tricked. We got tricked into the van of the enemy and now there was a ransom on our life. But Jesus says, I'll pay that price. I'll step in. I'll be redemption for them, but it gets better. He does this while we're still Sinners, while we're still a mess. Like, yeah, they're kind of a hot mess, but I love them. And I'll pay that price. I'll step in, even. He didn't say, yeah, figure it out, get your act together, and then go ahead and step in. He says, while we were sinners, he jumped in and saved us. Guys, it gets better, better and better. In Hebrews 2, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So it wasn't like a teenager cleaning their room, dragging their feet, I guess I'll do it, so I can go hang out with my friends. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. With joy, he stepped in, why? Why was it a joyful moment? Because he knew the other side of it. He knew what was coming. This is the God story. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is the love that God is being driven by. God's story is driven by his character and his nature, which is love. This is the underpin of what's happening. And it gets better and better and better. So I'm gonna read three really big and heady verses and then we're gonna unpack them really quickly here. In Hebrews 8, 12, it says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember them no more. John 3, 16 and 17, you've been waiting for it, haven't you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him would be saved. Jesus didn't drop down and just walk around and be like, you a mess, and you a mess, and you a mess, and you a mess. He dropped in and was like, I love you. I love you. I'll die for you. I love you. I'll die for you. Stand up and walk. I love you. Raise from the dead. I love you. Be healed. I love you. Know who you are. I love you. 
That's what he did. He dropped in. So picture this. A God who is rejected over and over and over and over again says, you know what? Humanity needs my help. Only I can be the one to establish a better covenant. Only I can be the one to put this in place. In Hebrews 8, 6, it says, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. But why is it better? We're gonna talk about three different types of covenants incredibly quickly. So these are all in your notes. You can dig back and look at them. So kinship covenant is a type of covenant where two equal parties come together and make an agreement. This is very much like a marriage. Two parts come together. Both are bringing something to the table. Now, there's something called a vassal covenant, which is a greater party and a lesser party. But in this type of covenant, all the requirements for the agreement, the covenant to be established are on the lesser. So this is like when a king would go and conquer a region or a territory and he drops in, he's like, okay, so I won't kill you if you pay taxes and fight in our wars and give us a bunch of animals and farm for us and do all these things. And then I won't kill you. But if you don't do those things, I will. I have the freedom to. So the lesser holds up every part of the agreement in a vassal covenant. Then there's something called a grant covenant where there is a greater and a lesser. But in this, every requirement to keep this covenant in place is held by the greater. Doesn't this sound like what Jesus did? Hey, I'll show up, I'll die, I'll raise from the dead. I'll release my power to you. I'll take care of it all. And what do you do? Say yes. A grant covenant is releasing unconditional promises to the lesser. Taking it all, wearing it all, bearing it all. What? This is crazy. Have you ever heard someone say, salvation's free. Just accept it. Guys, salvation wasn't free. It was a really expensive covenant that got put in place. Jesus gave his life for it. That was an incredibly expensive ticket that got paid. That was an incredibly expensive ransom. It's paid for. It's purchased. And you're invited into it. Now, once you're invited in, the ticket in was paid for. But once you're in, it doesn't mean you just get to kick back and relax and hang out. Once you're in, that's when your contribution begins. That's when your yes is on the table and all the other things start forming together. So are you catching this? God has a desire for us to live in community with him. It's who he is. But an adversary came along Messed it all up, but what did God do? He made a way back to himself. He made it possible. So when we step back and we see the full picture of God's story, remember we were having issues with him as judge? How can a God who is love send people to hell? He doesn't. He rescued us from it. He made a way out, not a way to Hell wasn't created for you. 
It wasn't created for me. It wasn't created for your crazy in-laws. It wasn't created for anybody. It's not created for you. You were created to dwell in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. I'm convinced if the world knew God as this, they'd all run to him. I'm convinced. Because why not? Everything, eternity, freedom handed to you. This is God's story that we are presenting to the world. Even more powerful is that God's story cannot be undone. Romans 8, I'm convinced, I am also convinced, that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us. Nothing can pull us apart. Guys, when you tell God's story to someone, tell them it's permanent. You don't have to get saved every day. You're in. You're a part. You're welcomed in. You know, you got to transform a little bit once you're in. That's the working it out piece. That's where truth continues to sanctify us and make us holy. We are welcomed into that, but tell them it's permanent. And lastly, God's story requires faith. Requires faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God's story is a little bit crazy. If you're all up in your rational mind, you're gonna be like, yeah, okay. You're crazy. I've had people look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them the God story. But you know what I know? Truth transforms. Truth hits people's hearts and spirits. There's a spirit dwelling within each of us that is waiting, absolutely waiting to cry out, Abba, Father. I look around this room and I see a bunch of children of God. I walk around the grocery store. We travel around the world and we see children of God waiting to know this God's story. They're waiting to be swept up into his story. This is why it's so important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's important for us to know the God's story and be able to share it plainly, to communicate it. And then when someone's like, well, God's evil, he made it. You'd be like, actually, can I share something with you? Because it's so a part of you. You know what you believe and why you believe it. And you are armed with powerful truth. You are armed with the God's story to tell it. So what's the God's story? God existed from the beginning of time. He created creation, every creature and living thing. And he gave his creation freedom because love requires freedom. And some of creation rejected him and it opened up a big mess. 
where rejection after rejection happened. God was rejected over and over and over again. But what did he do? Because he's love. And because his desire is that everyone would turn and repent and that everyone would find life and that everyone would live in community with him. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna make a way back to myself. I'll step in. I will establish a better covenant built on better promises where I'll take all the way, I'll carry the burden and I will invite you in to be participants, to be swept up into the God story where life and life abundantly happens, where destiny and hope live. This is the God story we are presenting to people this morning. I wanna make an invitation. It would be silly to stop there. Is there anybody in this room who has not who has not said yes to the God story. I'm gonna invite the prayer team down to receive any of you. You can get out of your seats right now. This is not a secret. We wanna celebrate online campus if there's anyone watching who wants to. And I'm believing, y'all, I'm believing that this video is gonna drop into the play next on a bunch of people. They're gonna hear this story. They're gonna hear the story of God and they're gonna get transformed by truth because heaven's real, hell is real. There is an adversary, but God overcame and he made a way and we're living in this. So this week we're gonna go live and tell the God story. That's what we're gonna do. I wanna challenge you, big challenge. We've all got like social media where we can go live. Go live and tell the God story. Tell it in two minutes. Could you imagine if this entire room went live on their social medias today and blasted the waves of the internet? I don't understand how it works. Blasted it with the truth of God. Will you be bold enough? Will you be bold enough to go live with the God story? I'll make that invitation again. Is there anybody in here? Wants to be swept up into the God story? Put your hands up. Now we're good? Hallelujah. Well, then let's all stand together. I believe that God's declaration over us is a house that we are the hungry ones. I've been praying that for weeks and last week, Audrey heard it in worship that God told her the hungry ones are here. That's us. We are a room full of hungry children of God. And right now, I wanna pray a blessing over you, that hunger and a desire to study him. Yeah, you can lift your hands if you want. You can close your eyes if that makes you comfortable. You can come forward if you like. We've got prayer team ready to receive you. Right now, Father, I ask your boldness and your courage to collide with the hearts of the hungry ones in this room. God, we wanna know your story. Teach us it, show us it. This is just the surface. I only know a tiny little bit and I wanna know more. God, activate in us a hunger that is not gonna stop, that is not gonna give up, that is gonna press past every scary, awkward thing about going live on our social media. I know I stirred up some anxiety in the room when I said that but God still it right now and create a desire and a boldness 
within us. This is the best story that has ever existed. Do you live like this is the best story that has ever existed? Father, help us live like this is the best story that ever existed. We will not hold it in. We will not hold it back. We are gonna release it. We are gonna let the God story transform us and overflow into the world. We say yes to that today. And Father, I ask right now, for all the quote unquote mature ones in the room. This is not elementary. That's a lie. You're not beyond learning this story. I believe that God wants to press and challenge those who have been in Christ for a long time today. Be challenged by this truth, let it transform you. You're not done, you're not done. There's no retirement in the kingdom. Be activated, be reactivated today to live for him. Father, reactivate me. Reactivate me to have a fresh excitement to share the God story. I don't wanna stop, I don't wanna give up. I don't wanna back down from the ones that are challenging around me. I wanna be a carrier of truth and release it powerfully into the world. Father, bless your church today. We love you in Jesus' name, amen, amen.